and we are live leaves talk me in a really brightly lit room and anthony <laughs> petrielli from maple leaf hot stove making his debut live from a bunker in uh i don't know bangladesh it's looking <laughs> look a little dark in there and i got all my ring lights going how are you buddy what a wonderful game to make your leaves day Leafs talk debut on just yeah uh, I was always told face for radio so this lighting situation is <laughs> perfect it's like focuses on you and you can barely see me <laughs> all right so since you're the guest here you're the the guest host uh where would you like to start what would be your inclination should it be Murray Matthews where do you want to go first honestly without Without being too negative on it to start, because okay. I know that that's the first any basically any of those topics you you start on, it's gonna go downhill negative from there. Yes. But in the first half of the game, I actually thought there were a number of like good things that happened. I know people are already. I'm kind of seeing it, saying they were terrible. Nobody was good tonight. But Nylander was dancing. I thought in the first half, he was unbelievable. I thought in the first half of the game, and Tavares was really good in the first half of the game as well. And so there were a few uh, Holmberg, I thought was no, like he did enough to me to go back there again in the top six hole. I mean, the op options are Kerfoot or move Nylander to center, but I thought that there were some things that at least that you, it wasn't a completely inept game. Yeah. You know what? I, I think that's fair from this point. I, I think it really unraveled, you know, once that, yeah. once they made it four, two, was that a power play goal that made it four, two, once they went up four, two, it really felt like, the not the quit zone happened, but the guys kind of they kind of lost their lust for the game on a Friday night, kind of a letdown spot in general. So I like the first half of the game too. And you're right about Nylander. It's just another game. He gets another goal tonight where his skating, and we've talked about this on Kipper and Born. We've talked about this on Leafs Talk. I'm sure you and I have talked about it at different yeah. times. His skating has gone to a level that I don't know if I'd ever imagine it going to. And he looked really, really good tonight. Like you said. I thought everyone looked pretty good until about halfway through that game where it kind of completely fell apart. The way that it crumbled was so disappointing too, right? Because we've seen them over the years. I mean, they've almost made a habit of it half the time where they go into the third and, and you almost, if anything, you sit there and go, they deserve to lose this game the way they've yes. been playing. And they just sort of turn it on. Yes. And that's where no matter. But I, I didn't even go into the third thinking that they deserve to lose or that this is a joke or any other number of those feelings. I actually just went in and thought, all right, I think if they piece together a good period here, they got a chance to get a point. You know, you go to overtime, you probably feel good about yourself in overtime, with, you know, considering who they're going to put out there. And you're at home. And I wasn't too overly concerned. I thought it just completely, you know, they let in a goal in the first four minutes of each period. Like, you can't yeah. win hockey games doing that. No, that's, that's, not, uh, that's not a good recipe. Goals at the start of periods and goals at the end of periods never equal success at any level of hockey and the Leafs did it a couple times tonight all right we've been positive enough <laughs> we got to talk about the the murray situation or or do you want to do matthews let's do murray's new murray first because i feel like that's a yeah. little bit more top of mind so i god love willie nylander having a absolutely wonderful year but he commits an absolute cardinal sin with the head high clapper at the end of warm-up <laughs> Catches Murray in, I don't know, in the collarbone neck area. It was kind of like it handcuffed him a little bit, caught him yeah. up high. I don't really know. Well, do we have video? Do we have video of this from Sis? Here we go. Uh, he's looking a little bit uncomfortable there. Not sure exactly what happened. Here you go. 
Yeah, got him up high. God, that looked it uncomfortable. Just, but it also doesn't seem like a – I mean, I don't want to sit here and dissect a warm-up play, but, like, why even go down if you're him? Yeah. Like, I, like <laughs> the number of times I've seen a goalie go down from, like, a half clap, yeah, top of the circle, nothing. You think Nylander even cared about that shot? He just – whatever, I'm just hitting the guy in the chest. <laughs> yeah. Or he's like, I, I'm going to go down from yeah. top of the crease on that? Like – my goaltender, pretty much every goalie that I play with in my multiple skates a week, I don't think I've ever seen them go down to more than a knee in no. uh, warm-up in 15 years, but I think that's a little different situation. So no, if you want a free goal in warm-up, you just put it along the ice. Like you rip one by their <laughs> ankle, and they look at you and just say, like, you're a loser. Like, I was never going to go down for it. But So I, I don't know what that's going to be. So I'm sure we're going to get an update here from Keith on the severity of the injury. So I saw a lot of people saying, well, if he's sort of if he's healthy enough to sit on the bench and he's healthy enough to back up, then, you know, is he not healthy enough to play in the game? But you'd also think like if he went to the room and sat in the room, that'd be a pretty good indication to the Ottawa Senators that he might not be available for the rest of the night. And maybe you play a little harder. I don't know what's going on with that. But it's just I really felt when you watch Samsonov tonight that he looked like a guy the whole night that was not expecting to play in this hockey game. He's been so locked in, and obviously all these hockey players, all these goalies, they're all such creatures of habit, Anthony. And like he obviously has a game day routine versus an off day routine and all this stuff. I know that's not an excuse. It's pro sports. you got to be ready at all times. But to me, Samsonov, on a rare off night recently, just looked like a guy that was not ready to play a hockey game tonight. Yeah, I don't even think he was bad, to be honest. I mean, you're watching towards the end, you know, Ottawa's up handily and he still has to stop Claude Giroux on a breakaway. And, you know, most of the goals weren't really on him. No. But you're right. I don't think he he definitely didn't expect to play. I mean, why would he? And what an appropriate team for it to happen against. I mean, how hard do you think (laughs) T.J. Smith laughed before the game when he found out? Right? There's a a few guys on that team (laughs) saying, yeah, yeah, what a shock. What right? a shock. <laughs> that, that was the first thing DJ Smith said about him, too, when, when he got traded. And they were talking about him this year. He just said something to the effect of, I, I don't even know what to tell you about the guy. He just he couldn't stay healthy. Like, like That was really the – like, I have nothing to say about his play. He basically didn't play. And, you know, he's not there yet with this team, but it's kind of creeping up that way, right? He got hurt right away. Mm-hmm. And then he came back and he played a little bit. And – even tonight's game aside, whether he played or not, it's been feeling like Samsonov is trending towards taking the net over. Mm-hmm. And then he has a game against his former team in Toronto, no less. The Leafs are on a bit of a roll, even without Matthews. And you sit there and go, okay, well, Murray has to show something tonight. You know, I know when we were talking about the game before, much earlier, I was sitting there going, if Murray plays bad tonight, like this is fully Samsonov's going into the all. Like, it unquestionably would be his net. Mm-hmm. And now well, it's... It's like, can you trust this guy at all? Yeah. So I talked about this a lot, that it's pretty clear to me that we're going to have another stretch of games that Matt Murray misses. Like, I don't I don't think we were ever going to have another part of this season where he doesn't miss another four to six. It just seems like it's sort of an inevitability, and you hope that they're both healthy come playoff time if you need to have two options, which you really hope you don't have to do in the first round of the playoffs because that's probably not a good sign going up against Andre Vasilevsky. But I, uh, I really think this is tough for Murray, just optics-wise. You have, like, listen, I know you get hurt. I know like, it's so hard to blame guys. It's a freak injury. gets head high in practice or whatever happens. But you force the hand of your head coach 
to go to your smoking hot goalie who's been really good. He's been a really positive story. And you force his hand to playing him in a game where he's obviously not prepared to go in. Like, like you said, I don't think he was the reason they lost. They were defensive breakdowns everywhere for the goals that happened. That ended up, they yeah. couldn't clear the puck out of their own zone for the life of them. But like, I don't think Sheldon Keith, if you gave him the true serum tonight, would be particularly happy about Matt Murray not playing in this game. I, I think be, it's I think it's a point of contention probably behind the scenes. It'll be it'll be telling if I mean we have to find out what it is, right? Obviously, if they come out tomorrow and it's and they say he broke or fractured his collarbone, we're gonna sit here and go, oh no, we we, yeah. <laughs> we piled on a little bit and we yeah. didn't know. But if if they come out tomorrow and it's it's like yeah, he's a little nicked up, like banged up. Maybe they say contusion, which is basically a fancy word for bruise. <laughs> yeah, bruise. Yeah. Right. Uh, then, then you sit there and go, okay, who starts on Sunday? Because if if Murray's a little nicked up and and Keith says no, I'm I'm going with with Samsonov, no chance. And then they only play one more game after that, which is against Boston. And he goes, no, I'm going to go with Samsonov as well because he's been good. And Murray's sitting on the bench for both of those. I think that would be a little bit telling. I think that would be a good indication of Keith probably sitting there a little bit annoyed himself at that. Mm-hmm. So do you, I think, regardless of who it is, it will not be, it will not be Samsonov in net on Sunday. I think they were already, like, I don't, probably, if it's Murray, if it's, you know, if he's dinged up and it's Wall or Shalgren or whoever, to me, like, I, you know, this morning, Sheldon Keefe was already a little bit concerned about the amount of workload that they were putting on Samsonov. Like, even, he said he was stretching him, playing him against the Rangers, so I don't think they probably wanted to go to him again here tonight, obviously. I think that whoever is available to play the game on Sunday, I would imagine that Samsonov probably wouldn't be between the pipes. Like I feel for Samsonov because he had such a good thing going and he has to go in there and the third period effort by the Leafs in general, in terms of hanging out their guy to dry kind of on a night, yeah. like who's been a huge backbone. Yeah. Like he just stared down Sorokin and Shesterkin this week and both beat both his, you know, countrymen, these other Russian guys who are supposedly two of the best goalies in the league versus him. And he beat them both. And then you hang him out to dry. Like it's bad optics. I, I, I can imagine Keith talking to him after the game. Be like, Sammy, this is not on you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'll be curious what he says on that side. And honestly, I'd probably, and unless he has some information about his health or his body's nicked up or something to that effect, mm-hmm. I would go back to him for the yeah. Sunday game. I really? I'd just look at him and be like, you've been good. If you want that game, you have to sit there for almost a week on that Sens game for no reason. Like, you don't deserve that uh, based on how you've played. So if if he's good to go and they don't have any reason to think this guy's fatigued, I mean, it's a homestand, right? Like, they're in Toronto. They've been in Toronto all week. It's not like they're flying anywhere or anything. I just look at them and say, take the day off. Don't even come to the rink tomorrow. Come back Sunday ready to go. It's unfortunate we play during the conference championship football games, but come to the rink and, and let's get a win. Let's go see uh, who won that Bengals Chiefs game. I, you know what? You know what, Anthony, you've done a good job on your first Leafs <laughs> talk here. You've convinced me. You're right. I think I would go back to him. I think you kind of changed my mind a little bit. I think I would go back to him. Just kind of get him rolling, get him back in the net. I know it's his former team. Give him a chance to avenge that last game he had against them where he said he had yeah. the nerves going into it. You know, that's yeah. a good point by you. And this is a playoff schedule, right? That's why I asked you to do this. Yeah. (laughs) This is a playoff schedule too, right? It's every other night. I would just say to him, like, you want to be a guy in the playoffs? This is what being a guy in the playoffs is. You're going every other night. 
you had a bad one. Not wasn't even really a bad one. That's an unfair way to say yeah, it. No, but I know what you mean. You had one that didn't go your way. Get back in. Let's go. So okay, so I think we've ta- we've talked enough about the tendies. I would like to now talk about the lack of Austin Matthews and how. Yeah. I you know, been you've been a Leaf fan a long time. You've watched the Leafs a long time. Yeah. And like we used to watch some really bad hockey. Like for a lot of my life, awful. I watched awful hockey with like awful players who I convinced myself were really good. Like the conversations I used to have with my buds about how good Mikhail Grabowski was. And don't get me wrong. I'm not going to slag the good name of Mikhail Grabowski. Loved him to death. Was a huge, but like, you, nice know how, you know how good we convinced ourselves that that guy yeah. was. And it's like, we've gotten to new, what year are we in now? Year six of Matthews or year seven of Matthews. And uh, year seven. Yeah. Every time he misses a game, I would, I go, Holy crap. I take this guy for granted. I absolutely take this guy for granted. We have all these conversations every, you know, all this year about how always having a down year and, you know, the production isn't there. And it's just, you know, this is not a hot take, but the MVP of the league, missing him from your lineup, it's tough. It's tough bounce. Like it's really not as enjoyable of a watch, Anthony. Can I can I also just quickly say like your go-to player to debate whether they were good or not back in the day is Gravowski. It should have been like <laughs> Carter Ashton or oh, Jerry yeah. Domingo oh, yeah. or any other <laughs> number of players of those ilk where people are like, if only they were on the fourth line, the Leafs would have a good fourth line. Yeah, you're, you're right. like, mm, you're right. it doesn't work that way. <laughs> no, honestly, I could, we had some stupid conversations for a lot of the 2010s, buddy. Anyways, but continue. I, I do think I do think to that point, without Matthews, it really kind of hurt the the juice they might have had to mount any sort of comeback. I mean, they really had nothing. I mean, how often mm-hmm. do you genuinely see the Leafs lie down like that in the third? And they they pretty much did. Yeah, it doesn't happen anymore. Like, like it really doesn't happen anymore. You never see that. Yeah, And to me, that's a big thing without Matthews. I actually thought the power play looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. Shockingly, that was like the one thing where I was like, the power play actually looks good. Without so, so I saw some stats today about how like when he's in the lineup, their, their, their point percentage or whatever, and I'm not going to talk about them being better with Austin Matthews, so don't turn off your computer here, but their power play is almost 4% better in the games that he doesn't play which is one of the most weird statistical anomalies. Yeah, it's strange. And watching it tonight, it just seems that they are like, you know, they don't have the guy to defer to. Like, it seems like they all know on that power play. They know who the trigger man is. They know who the best guy on the ice is. They know who they all, everyone on the Leafs in that power play reveres his shot. They revere his skill level and they want to get it to him. And it seems like a lot of times they kind of force it to him. And when he's not out there, it's like they were, the puck movement looked a lot cleaner and it looked a lot better. They got to figure out how to way to do that when he's in the lineup, because it's, I'm not saying it's better without him because the threat obviously yeah, is not. there, but it just looks, it just looks so much different without him in the lineup. It's weird. It, I think, I think the thing with it is when he's there, they probably have a little bit of, there's three guys that should be playing the half wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And only two of them can do it. And then sometimes they have power plays where you sit there and go like, why did you do that? Or why are you there? Or like, yeah. just like, that's all. It's not because like they're bad players or anything. You're just watching. You're just like, you can tell like sometimes not even have to call out diff- any of the names, but you can watch them go to a spot on the power play and you could tell that it's not the thing to do, but they're like, mm-hmm. I want to play here on the half wall. And, and you kind of just till your head and you go, uh, I don't know. That's, that's not the spot. Yeah. Right. But <laughs> when exactly you watch what you tonight, mean. 
you're like, well, it's going to be Mar- Marner and Nylander without question, and Bunting is going to go stand in front of the net with Tavares, and right, like there's zero debate as to who goes where, which does count for size. So it just simplifies everything, and it just looked like a simplified power play. They just funneled pucks to the net. I mean, that power play goal um, by Nylander, like what happened there? Tavares lost the faceoff, but he jumped it, knowing he was going to lose it, won a battle, and the Sens eventually got to clearing it, and Riley kept it in. And, like, they won another battle, and then they scored, right? Like, if Tavares was lazy off that faceoff, it's a clear. If Riley doesn't keep that puck in, it's a clear. And mm-hmm. instead, they like, that's a great effort all mm-hmm. around right there. We just we have it up on the, yeah. the monitor right now, and you could see Riley lays out, um, and Bunting did as well. It's just, that's it. It was just simple, like, win battles, get pucks to the net, go to the net. That's it. I don't know if there's an advanced stat for this one. Uh, I don't know how the hell you track it, but uh, Morgan Riley, his one, one of his elite skills on the power play, which there are not a ton of, is his keeps at the line. He makes so yeah. many plays along the line where he knocks down pucks and keeps the puck in and retrieves it. And he, that's just such a huge play for the guys. Like, I know he doesn't really shoot it a whole lot as a power play quarterback, which is something that probably, you know, shooting the puck in the net is yeah. something that's pretty important on a power play, something you'd want. But uh, I don't want to get too bet down on that. I wanted to make another point about Matthews. And, you know, you miss him offensively, obviously. But, God, you do miss him defensively, too. Like, yeah. I just noticed there's so many times where there's little plays that he makes in the in his own slot and below the hash marks and below the red line where – he gets the puck, digs it, finds Nylander or Marner, whoever on the half boards, and then gets ahead of steam and goes out the other way. Like they had so many times tonight where they couldn't get it out of their own zone, turning it over, get, getting it up the boards, yeah. not clearing it. And it's like, man, Matthews is so important on the defensive side of the puck. Like not obviously close to what he is offensively in terms of importance, but you really do miss him defensively as well. You know, I think it's it's a it's also a bit of a everyone is punching a little bit above their weight. Mm-hmm. You know, that turnover by camp was so uncharacteristic. Mm-hmm. I, I can't recall him ever just being like, I'm going to try to skate around this guy and get the puck out. And he gets tagged pretty good. Mm-hmm. And Ottawa scores and you're, you're kind of watching. And, um, you know, he goes a little bit under the radar. And I like camp. This isn't to pick on him. I think he's a good player. You know, but he's also, he's pointless in 12. And that goal was on him. The Batherson goal in the slot, I mean, he just lost him. Like, he was just watching the puck in the corner. And Batherson slipped behind him. You can't give Drake Batherson a wide-open shot in the slot where he can stand there and literally look up and be like, all right, I'm going to shoot it there. Like, that's a goal. It, like, unless he misses the net, it's a goal. Like, no one's saving it. It's it's going to be a goal. Like, he was, he was not good tonight. Um and, you know, he was decent on the penalty kill. That four-minute kill they had in the in the first period, I thought was going to be like a settle-in. The game, you know, the game is kind of yeah. going their leafy way where they kind of wade into the waters in the first and mm-hmm. whatever. But, you know, you can't be pointless in 12 and actively giving up goals against. And, you know, people talk about, oh, do they need a defenseman? Do they need a left winger? Like, Camp had a good playoffs. He had a couple goals. So I think people just kind of largely gloss that over. But, like, you need a guy on the third line, and I don't know if they have one. Yeah, I, that's, I'm glad you brought that up because it's kind of a perfect transition into the next thing I wanted to talk about with you. And it's, God, they feel thin at the bottom half of the lineup right now. 
It looks like, like it, two fourth lines. It really does feel thin. And I know that we talked about this a little bit during the game, but it feels like Kerfoot's involvement has really been, I don't know if it's a, you know, conscious choice by the coaching staff, but it does. I know tonight he maybe played a little bit more than he has usually, but it feels over the last month, his usage in spots, like he used to feel like he was so involved in all the games and it just really feel like his usage is yeah. like gone not down. scoring, but like you'd notice yeah, them at you least notice him a lot. <laughs> and it just feels like you're not noticing it as much like sure. Joey Anderson, Anderson, fine. Bobby McMahon been nice since he's come up like Zach Aston Reese, all these guys to me, they just, it's not a playoff bottom six. And like, I'm not saying you need to get guys that are going to be bruising and fighting and whatever. Like I'm not, no, pulling a, I'm, not, I'm not pulling a kipper here on you. I'm just saying <laughs> they can't, they can't be guys who are just dudes that are yeah. just like, they're not like they're a net. And they don't really provide you with any sort of value. I know Joe Anderson yeah. scored a goal tonight or whatever, but like how many more of that is going to happen? Like it really does feel that they need to add a couple NHL guys in the bottom six because it feels super thin right now. I think you can get away with it on the fourth line a little bit. It's like, oh, like Zach Austin Reese can go out there and take shifts and generally not get scored on. And once in a while, he'll throw a hit and he's pretty yeah. good on the four check and he'll PK for a minute and a half a game or whatever it is on the low end. But like on the third line, to your point, like you either need to be good offensively or good defensively. And Camp has generally gotten by because he's been really good defensively. And he is really good defensively. This game was a misnomer for sure. Definitely. But he was bad tonight. Yeah. And Engvall has generally actually been pretty good. Like, he's a little bit more, like, he's not amazing defensively, I don't think, or amazing offensively. But he's, I think, actually really good defensively and can contribute offensively. But he can't be your best bottom six forward. And he is their best bottom six forward. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to agree with you because I... <laughs> I have a very tortured relationship watching, you know, Pierre Engvall, and I understand the value I think that Sheldon he brings. Keith does too, if it makes you feel. I, oh, well, he literally <laughs> used to just dig a hole and throw him in it. Literally every chance he got in a press that was conference, crazy. like he would, and then he would bring the bus out and he'd drive it over that hole that he was lying yeah. in. Like he used to, yeah. just Every post game, like he wouldn't even be on for goals against, and he'd be like, Engvall was on the bench, and I just don't know what he was doing. And you're like, I couldn't look at him. I couldn't look at him. <laughs> yeah, no, I just like. He's a, he's a tortured guy to me and he kind of represents, it's a harsh thing to say, but he kind of represents the playoff failures for me. Like, I think he's got no goals in 17 games for the play Leafs in the playoffs. Like he's he like a, a big part of the reason they lost to, to the Tampa last year was the bottom six versus bottom six. I know the stars didn't show up in a couple of the big games in six and seven, but you need the bottom six guys to come up with a goal here and there. And they just never have. So no. I think they're probably going to go into the playoffs with Engvall in the bottom six. Like, I know they like him. I know they yeah. value what he brings. I don't think he's ever going to be part of a trade. Kerfoot, on the other hand, I can see being part of one just with his usage going down. But he's going to continue to drive me insane, Anthony. Like, he really is. The turnbacks. And then, and then he yeah. has that shift tonight where picks up the puck, goes north, flies through the neutral zone, dances around a guy, wrister from the top of the circle, laser beam off the post and into yeah. the mesh. Like, how about that all the time? The, that Boston, but he's been doing it a little bit more. That goal, because he scored the same way yeah. against Boston, and it almost felt like his Michael Grabner all-star game moment where he was like, <laughs> oh, look, I'm actually pretty good in this league. I just I did it. 
And it's like once a game he does it now. And like someone has to look at me like, how is this not once a period? I know. So like, just go down. But like, I think he's the least of their worries. Like, yeah, I think he's like, it's, I get the criticism, but like, if I'm looking at that group, he's like the last guy, him and then Cam for like the two guys I'm thinking about the least. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of sit there and go, can home, like, what will Holmberg be in the playoffs? Cause you just don't know. And then I don't know about the rest of the group. I mean, Bobby McMahon's had some nice moments. He's pointless in eight games. Again, he fits that. He's not a particularly strong defensive player. I know he should have had some points by now, but he's still pointless. You know, kicking a puck off a guy and in doesn't really qualify as, to me, as like the heartbreaker it did for others. Um, You know, like Joey Anderson, I know he scored tonight, but again, it was like, it was off a stick. You know, you didn't really notice him other than that shift. And you kind of just go through. It's like, okay, try Adam Gaudet if you want. See if he come. Why not? Go for he just it. Feels I, like, but he just feels like the same guy. Yeah. They they all feel yeah. like a very similar guy that it's like offensive, defensive tweener that doesn't really have a defining skill that you know will give you an honest shift guy. Yeah. You know, like it's just like it feels yeah. like the, all the guys that come up from the Marlies are a very similar type of guy. If anything, you just rotate them just to kind of keep them all on their toes and be yes. like, I know you're only good like one game a week, so you're each going to get <laughs> one game a week. It just depends who and like what the situation is. Yeah. And I think the toughest whole the the toughest thing to the entire top six or bottom six portion, which I see talked about quite a bit and I think is popular, even though it shouldn't be, is people sit there and go, okay, well, get a top six forward and you'll bump. Callie Yarncroft to the bottom six and he's pretty good and Yarncroft was genuinely really bad on the third line like he does not he's similar in a sense to Kerfoot in that you can play him with some skill guys and he'll contribute and get some points but he's not driving a line no. you know like Pierre Engvall is a better line driver than Callie Yarncroft like Yarncroft basically has a good shot so yeah I was actually texting with uh, JD before the game about Yarncroft in that like he's given them really good value on that contract so far. Obviously they don't love the four years, but it was two and a half million bucks. Like, well, how many goals has he got so far this year? He's looked good, but yeah. you know, look who he's playing with. It's you know, I, I might I might tap in four or five a year on playing on a line with those two guys and. I don't know what's happened, but they might shoot a few off here, yeah, yeah, and that, I'm, but that still I'm, counts immediately. He yeah. goes away from those two guys and he's dash three tonight. So it's it's like, oh man, that's not the way Yarncroc wanted it to go. Say what you will about plus minus, yeah. but like that's not probably what he wanted to see after, you know, having a guy go down. I felt for him on that first one because he was actually back checking hard and he got clipped. Mm-hmm. Like he got picked. And if you watch it, like I just have no clue what Rasmus Sandin or Connor Timmins were doing on that goal, which was not the first time or the last time I thought that on the night. Yeah. And you just kind of watch, you know, that's when people talk about young defensemen, right? Like they didn't communicate. They both kind of stood there. If you were to like free freeze frame it right before they scored, it was like both of those guys were basically around the hash marks. Mm-hmm. And like you can't let good NHLers just walk in and pick pockets. Like they're going to score just like, the second Shabbat wound up, like everyone knew it was a goal. Yeah. Either it bangs off the end glass or it's in the back of the net. Yeah. Those are the two options in that yeah. situation. So And like how many goals do they have like that, right? The Bathurst one we just talked about, another. Like it's either and he's missing Drew. or it's yeah. Right. And Drew's last one. The where... Drew one was crazy. Like Sandine was like a one on one and he just like dope. 
Yeah, I love that play by Giroux, and he's done that before in his career where yeah. he uses the stick, or uses yeah. the skate to protect yeah. against the stick and does the toe drag all in one motion, barring in. This is a an elite offensive play. Like, that's yeah. so sick. God, I yeah. love that play. I hate, that I hate pass this. from Timmons was like, that's the exact kind of thing that Keith will never forget, as, which yeah. is why he won't play in the playoffs. Agree. So that's the last thing I want to uh, talk about tonight. And, you know, like, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm really bent out of shape about this game. I want to be clear. Like, it's a, it's one of 82. It's a letdown spot. They just played two really good – well, not really good teams. They played a really good team on Wednesday night and beat them. Played a decent team on Monday in New York Islanders and beat them. Eh, decent, maybe a stretch. They're kind of falling down the standings. And they got a good team on, on Sunday looking ahead to Boston, obviously. So I don't want to get too bent out of shape about this. I'm really not. It's a letdown game if you're like, sure. in the middle of trap like, game. oh, this is a trap game. Yeah. So it was a perfect night for Murray to play net. Anyways, I won't, <laughs> that's, my last, <laughs> that's, my, that's my last shot at Murray for the night. <laughs> but um, I don't think we want to see much more Rasmus Sandin and Connor Timmons playing together. And no, that, that can't I, be pairing. No, and I know they've had a they had a what what game was that recently where they had a really good game where they both looked really I'm trying to think back it was last week I I watched so much hockey and talked about so many games I can't remember which one it was but they had like a decent night and then they went away with it went down to Ben Sandine and I understood it I, I I think you're talking about the game against the Habs and he had an assist and even yes. against the Jets they were all right but against yeah, the yeah. Habs I was he made the night Timmons made the nice pass and I kind of mm-hmm. just watched it and thought. Yeah, of course he's going to be good against bad teams. Like this is yeah. where I would expect him to excel when you'd have more time to make plays with the puck. And I mean, Ottawa's also not a good team to be clear, no. but Claude Giroux is a, a really good player. They have and way better players than Montreal up. does. Yeah, and you just serve him one up in the middle of the ice. Like it would just my jaw almost hit the floor when I watched it live. I was like, I cannot believe he just did that. Like right, right away. Like we picked on, or I picked on Sandine for how he got torched on the move, but like. Man, he just he sewered him on that play. Absolutely. So I can it's funny with with Timmons, because you can see you can almost see the pedigree with him. Like you can yep. see why he was selected high in the draft. You can see yep. he's got a head up, makes a great first pass, size, right handed shot, decent skater. Like the tools are there, obviously, and I think he's a bit of a project for the Leafs. Like I do think they could turn he's him a, into something. He's a great project. But this not for this season, not no. at this, like going into the most important stretch of hockey for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't think he can be involved in big games unless two to three humans are not able to play in a hockey game. Would it's be also my... tough because he hasn't played, right? Like he literally yeah. like has just not played hockey over the years. And that was why Arizona got rid of him. People kept saying, why did Arizona get rid of this guy? He's producing and they Concussed got rid of him. Really injured. They... They, yeah, but they wanted to send him down to the minors, and they knew he wouldn't get through waivers, so they decided to get something for him. They just wanted him to start playing hockey again. Yeah, which so, is and he needs it. You can tell. I mean, like, and don't get me wrong, awesome bet by Dubas to trade like was Bobby yeah. was it who they trade for him? Uh, Curtis Douglas. Curtis Douglas. Who was? Yeah, yeah, who like you know, big guy, yeah. maybe maybe doesn't profile as an NHL guy, but like to yeah. get a to get a guy that's a contributor at all for that, no yeah. problem, and. Depth guy in the regular season, no problem. But like you said earlier, Anthony, I don't necessarily want him anywhere near a playoff game. I don't no. pick. I don't picture him going well against Tampa. I don't really like that thought. I don't. I don't put it this way. I don't think he would help them win a game, but he would definitely help them lose one. Bingo. Couldn't like, have said it better myself. 
especially if he's giving pucks away like that. And, yeah. like, the last thing, like, I'm not, like, super, I think if you play him next year with Giordano at the start of the season, like, go play with this vet and just learn from him. Yeah. I think he, you know, the same way we saw with Lilligren, I think that would be very helpful. Hopefully Giordano's still good by then. I think it would be a great mentor for him. At the same time, like, if he wasn't right-handed, I wonder how much, like, love and attention he'd be getting. You know, if he, he was a play- lefty. You'd play for Tucson still, buddy, if he was left-handed. Yeah, right like, now. yeah. Like, yeah. if you're a lefty, like, are you getting away with these? Because, like, it's been pretty, you know, like, he got to play with, like, Morgan Riley against the Bruins. Like, that was stunning. And it went about as bad as, as you know, <laughs> they got to figure that out. They get, like, you know, I'm surprised they pulled the plug on the Lilligren-Riley pairing as quick as they did. I, I think they need to give that some real run. Like, they need to see if that can be a thing. I agree. They, the best that Morgan Riley's looked since he's returned from injury was those, what, three games or two games that he played with, with Lilligren, who is, without TJ Brody in the lineup, probably their best defenseman. And when I yeah. say probably, I mean, he is. Yeah. In terms, like, I know Riley obviously gives you more minutes, plays more offensive, does whatever. Like, he's, I guess, like, your quote-unquote best guy, but maybe most important is Lilligren. Anyways, I'm just semantics, I- so... I assume uh, their thought process is like we're just trying to get the other pairings and then we know who's going to play with Riley. Yeah. I just don't agree with it cuz like Brody's missed essentially half the season at this point. Like they have to be worried about that. Yeah, it's a bit of a worry. You know, right? and he was a guy that never missed time and now it's like he's got ooh a little oblique, a rib, like little things yeah. like he he takes some bumps and it's if they don't I have know him the conversation in the playoffs, too is like, you know, he's not um you know, they're not recurring injuries, not a concussion or something. But the point is that it's actually just his body's breaking down. Yeah, it's called getting old. Like, yeah. I, I, oh, he's in his mid, he's getting close to his mid-30s, buddy. I can tell you, it's it's happening. It's not great. I, I know what it feels like. Yeah. You All have right. a you have a hard men's league game the next morning. Oh. <laughs> I played hockey. It's I played hockey at 7 a.m. this morning at 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 um St. Mike's and. My back sitting in this little wood chair right now. It's like, please put me on the couch. Please, God. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. Before we go, I got to ask, who's playing in the Super Bowl on February 12th? Oh, man. Um, I am – I'm up on the Chiefs. I know everyone's down on them. Mm. I just – I think it's getting Go a little sag. disrespectful. It's, it's in Kansas City. I understand what happened last year. I think that – I think it's a little disrespectful with mm-hmm. what's happening. And Mahomes with the point to prove. I know he's hurt, but – yeah. I don't mind it. And uh, I think the Eagles, like that one, I feel that one is going to be like, you got to hammer that line. I'm going to. <laughs> I may be putting a couple of my hard-earned shekels down on some games yeah. this weekend. I will say I will not bet against uh, Joe Cool, Joe Shiesty. Uh Joe Burrow is the next coming of Tom Brady. I don't like how much, I don't like how much junk they're talking. I really don't. But That's I just my think, thing. I think they can back it up. That's what it, I, I just, I'm going with the Bengals. Bengals, Eagles, Super Bowl for me too. The clock's about to strike midnight on old Brock Purdy. I don't like him going into the link on Sunday. So no, there but we that's go. a sick Super Bowl. Like I'd oh, be very happy with any absolutely. of the combinations. Yeah, there's really not a bad combo coming out of this. All right, buddy. Really great job tonight. I appreciate you hanging out with me on a Friday night. I'm gonna go have a glass of wine. Uh, enjoy the rest of your evening, bud. Pleasure. Thanks for having me.